Welcome to episode 105 the Gumprunners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight following Alabama's 27 to 20 loss versus Michigan in the Rose Bowl in the college football playoff. Uh, welcome in. Um, probably lots of Auburn and maybe even some Georgia fans listening out there. So, uh, Welcome back to the podcast, guys. I'm sure y'all haven't listened in since uh, the the Texas and, and South Florida breakdown. So welcome in, little brother. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, that's really just my hurt speaking right there in the opening monologue. Uh, guys, um, 27-20, I call that to be the Alabama victorious score. Uh, it was in the the opposite direction. Um, as far as the victor goes, Um Alabama gets put out of the playoff. You know, I, I mentioned last week that this game was so hard to predict. I think either team could have blown out the other. Um, I still think Alabama has more talent. Uh, Michigan had a great game plan. We'll get into all that. Um, just initial thoughts and reactions, J-Law, to the to the 27-20 to 20 loss for Alabama. Yeah, I picked it 31-17, and – that's not too far-fetched to think that Alabama goes up 17-13. They have the football. They pick up three first downs. They're driving down Michigan's throat to go up 24-13 with about nine minutes to go or so. There were just there, – there were too many lapses mentally on offense and defense for Alabama to win this game. Uh, I think Coach Saban said that as well. And just overall reaction is I've just really I'm I'm not disappointed in the defense. This this not a defense that's gonna give up 13 points a game. They gave up 20 in regulation. If you don't score 21, you're not gonna win many ball games in modern day college football. I mean, that, that that's the end all be all for me. Is I'm really disappointed in the offense. I'm really disappointed in a couple players on the offense we'll get into. Disappointed in the Game plan, although after going back and looking at a little bit of it, there were plenty of opportunities to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly that we're not taking advantage of. But, yeah, listen, Michigan's a talented team. They have a great defense. I said that last week. They have a, a really good defense. I don't think Alabama – Alabama didn't, you know, do anything to help themselves. They kind of helped Michigan a lot in this ball game to make that defense look a, a little better than I think it is. But at the end of the day, I think – I don't think Nick Saban got out coached. I just because if Michigan ran with Michigan runs, I'm not sure they score more than 10. But he got out game planned and he got out schemed in this ball game. And that's why Alabama's sitting at home. I think he did get out coached. And I think that's part of it. What you just mentioned. Um, uh, my my initial thoughts and reactions are Michigan dominated that game until the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, it took Bama a muffed punt, and then, you know, second half, a tremendous effort by James Burnup to keep Michigan backed up in their own territory to kind of stalemate there in the third quarter. And then, you know, Alabama starts to pull away and then just can't finish the game. Um, <clears throat> but if this is a, a week eight matchup in the regular season, I think it's easy to say Alabama beats Michigan 31 to 13. I, I, nobody is better than Nick Saban at stopping what you do as far as film work, preparation, and execution of that game plan. Saban loses games because teams do stuff against him that they don't do all year. Everybody knows uh, teams have a different playbook for Alabama. Michigan was no different. They ran 12 personnel, which is a two-tight end set, more than any other team in the country this year. That's what's on film. That's what you prepare for. Then Michigan comes out, you know, they're running to the edges. They're using misdirection. They're using different motions, different formations. Um, they're rarely in their 12 personnel. And then on top of that, they're throwing the guys that have less than like 15 catches all year. Blake Corum that hadn't even caught a touchdown this year. He catches or he catches a, a touchdown and then a, a fourth and two conversion, a big conversion there. And um it was a but yeah, I think that is being out coach as far as game planning goes. And it was a great job by the Michigan coaching staff, but also it leads to a lot of disappointment in the Alabama coaching staff, I think, that, you know, after all these games where Saban has faced this type of stuff that's not on film, how do you not tell your own offensive staff that, hey, let's do some stuff that we haven't thrown at anybody all year and see if it can help us because I have a feeling that we're going to see stuff that's not on film. So, you know, Saban 
this isn't his first year coaching. He's done this a lot. And um, and still, you know, defense played played well enough in the second half to win the game. But um, that's just my thoughts on it. Lester, what, what are your thoughts and reactions to this game against Michigan? Yeah, it's it's just always what if, man. It's first of all, first of all, when the last play happened and that clock hit quadruple zeros, I just started laughing. Like I, I had no other re- reaction. Like I, I, I was at, I was at work, and the guy beside me just kind of threw some shit and stormed off. I literally, I started rea- I just started laughing because after Texas, and after going to Tampa with my own two eyes and watching USF, I mean, w- w- when you step back and think about it, outside of the vacuum, Alabama's been playing with house money all year long. This team has been flawed. All year long, how many times have we bitched and complained about the same stuff about this team? It's going to come back to bite you. It's going to hurt. It's, this isn't the markings of a, a truly elite team. We've, we've, we've brought it up all year long. And guess what? It reared his ugly head when Alabama played another damn good football. I don't know what team showed up in Atlanta against Georgia, but it's not the same one that showed up in Pasadena. The other night. Well, I think that's my point, Lester. That's what I was talking about. It's it's frustrating. Well, Georgia, Georgia didn't have 30 days to prepare for Alabama. I think if they do, then Georgia beats Alabama as well. But fortunately for Alabama, that game was a week um after the the last game of the regular season. And Georgia might have prepped a little bit since they knew Alabama was going to be there. They might have prepped a little bit because they didn't look great against Georgia Tech. But at the same time, you know, 10 days is a lot different than 30. Right, and another thing too. How are you that rusty after a month to prepare? If Bama plays a clean game, I'm not. I believe this is a two touchdown game. If if the little things are just done right, such as snapping the football, if if that's done right, if if you know coverages. Are, I listened to Terry Arnold today on Three Man Front. He said there were communication issues during certain parts of the game. Why you've been off for a month? You played. 13 games up to this point. And why are there why are these issues still there? Granted, Michigan did some things that were different that were not on film, but why have they not prepared for just that? You know, why can't you okay, if they do this, you, you can't reasonably assume that the same team you got a month ago is going to be the same team that you get in the playoff game where it's balls to the walls and you're playing for a chance to win to go to the national championship. I don't know if Saban loses sight of that. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Tommy, but why what things just can't be a little bit different, a little bit different to help out the team in general. Why why do we always have to catch other teams' bullshit? Why can't Bama for once do something different, something unique, something odd to throw the other team off? So, but all that considered, if I just want to see Bama play a clean football game. And if they do that at bare minimum, despite being the same team, the same offense, the same defense, despite all of that, I think Bama wins the game. But we've yet to get a, a, a we've yet to get that team. They they they, they just didn't play a, a clean game and do the things they need to do to win the little things. J Log, the really the three topics I want to cover, and then you know I'll turn. I'll turn it over to you guys if you wanted to add anything to it. I think the big, the biggest topics of discussion here are Tommy Reese and the game plan. Tell me what you thought about that. Um, Jalen Milrow, his performance, and, um, and of course the center. You know, everybody wants to hear about that. So, um, which one do you want to talk about first? I let, let's start. Let's start with the OC. Okay. Because I didn't hate it. I, I I'll just be dead serious. I I. I told you I've never gone back and watched a loss. I went back and watched this one because I've, I've told y'all this off the pod, and I've told my friends this too. I would never say it on the pod, but I'll say it now. I've been halfway, not ready for the season to be over, but ever since probably got to be Tennessee, like the ups and downs of this team, the roller coaster ride. When you encapsulate Nick Saban's first 16 years or so here, whatever, I think this is year 17, that the domination part is fun to me. The blowout wins, that's fun to me. Not this, all right, well, for two and a half quarters, we're going to play really well. And then for a quarter and a half, we're going to do something to let Arkansas back in the game or play really bad first half against AM. Like 
the peaks and valleys aren't enjoyable to me. So I literally told, I walked in the house the other day, I said, hey, if we win this game today, nobody will be happier than me. If they lose, I'll be honest, I'll take a sigh of relief. So, like, I wasn't expecting Alabama to – I mean, I wanted to win, no doubt, but I just walked into this game, and I, I I don't know. Like, I wasn't super disappointed, and I wasn't disappointed in Tommy Reese either because I just went back and watched it. I, I, I looked at it. Man, there's some third downs in this game. There's some second and longs in this game where, dude, dudes are open. You, this is big-time college football against the number one defense in America. And you can blame Tommy Reese, I guess, for not coaching his quarterback to get the ball out of his hands fast enough. But if you got a quarterback against Georgia, Michigan, these types of defenses, you can't sit back in the pocket for four seconds. So when you go back and watch the game, I thought Tommy Reese called some stuff that didn't work. Dude, Michigan called stuff that didn't work for 30 of the 60 minutes. From midway point of the second quarter, Till 11, to, well, really until four minutes ago in the fourth quarter, Michigan barely called a play that was successful the whole game. So there's some, you're playing a good defense, but there, when you have opportunities to make plays, when the OC dials it up and has a guy wide open, when uh, you just have to be able to make those plays. And I thought Tommy Reese's halftime adjustments were pretty legit. Some of those drives were stopped by fumbles. Some of them are drives were stopped by bad snaps from the center. But I thought that the second half adjustments to run the football, a little misdirection in the run, get some easy throws for Milrow. I thought he tried to get some of those in the first half. Milrow just re refused to throw it. Um, <coughs> I didn't hate Tommy Reese. Could there have been more creativity going back and watching it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if this is going to be the offense, dude, we're going all the way back to week two right now. If this is going to be the offense – and you want to win a national championship running this offense, either Jalen Milrow has to drastically improve at his job or somebody else has got to go play quarterback. I mean, that's to me, that just is what it is because I saw Kay, I saw J.J. McCarthy, I'm going to say Kay McNamara, I saw J.J. McCarthy roll out of the pocket, extends play with his like Guy, we got the only dual-threat quarterback that runs a legitimate 4-4 who just – Falls down, looks like a horse wobbling around, trying to juke everybody behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he looked like a baby deer trying to walk Saturday. We got the only one that won't go pick up a first down. We have the only dual-threat quarterback in America who, like, refused. He just has to stand back there and try to make a big play instead of run. Dude, the playoffs are on the line. Do what you got to do to go win us the football game. And at the end of the day, I don't think the quarterback did enough to do that and I don't think it was because of the game plan of the OC because we know that we know that Jalen Milrow can't run the zone rewrite. Cole Kubik's told us that. So, like, what do you want? What do you want Tommy Reese to do in this system differently? Maybe a few wrinkles. I thought we tried a few wrinkles. They didn't work. Michigan was ready for a couple of them. But at the end of the day, Alabama had plenty of opportunities to score 31 in this ball game, and they just did not take advantage of those. So it's hard for me to put it all on Tommy Reese. When there's players on offense who are, to me, incapable of executing the offense as it needs to be executed. And that starts with the center. That started with the left tackle Saturday that's hurt. That started with Jaden Roberts. I saw his – everybody's loving on him. I loved on him all year. I think his pass blocking grade was like the worst of everybody on the offensive line. Um, there's a lot of players that didn't make plays in this ballgame. And I don't think that's up to Tommy Reese. Looks like J-Law covered – Tommy Reese and the and the quarterback Taylor Miller. So my bad. We still got more on Miller. I could not have said how I felt better myself. That was that was damn good. On you agree point. with that, Lester? Yeah, I mean that's yeah. like when he was referring to like his mindset going into the game. Like I said, Bam's playing with house money all year. Like it is what it is. Like so what? Like I'm not upset over the game at all because you know what? Like Dennis Allen said. <laughs> I mean, in that when the Cardinals got their ass kicked in the playoffs, they are who we thought they were. I mean, what, what, like, you know, everyone, all Bama fans listen to this podcast. If you are upset at the game, why? This is the same team we've seen all year. And their deficiencies came back to bite them in the ass. I mean, like I said, after the last five, I just laughed. I mean, because what else can, what could you expect? A low snap? That since game one. I mean, You're so right. You're so right, dog. If if what are you mad that we snapped the ball? Oh, we've been watching that since the first touchdown of the year. You mad because the quarterback turned it over? 
Well, he went on a stretch without being a turnover machine, but that's kind of who he is. All right, like what 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 else can you expect? Milro, he's not gonna he's not gonna make the checkdowns. He's not gonna call a blitz. He's not gonna move the um offensive line coverage. Like he, he hadn't done it all year. When Michigan sends those blitzes, I can scream at the TV or at the phone all I want to. Milro is not gonna see it. He's not gonna call it. And guess what? Michigan knew that. Why do you think they sent those blitzes how they did? Because they knew that motherfucker is not gonna see it. Like. Oh! Yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. Like he's like, like I told y'all in the group text. Once something has to happen, either Milro goes or Tommy Reese goes, because one or the other, one or the other, they cannot coexist. I don't think Tommy Reese wants him, and I don't think Milro can adequately run the offense that Tommy Reese wants to run. So, <laughs> I, I mean, Lester, it, it, you know, whose decision was it to start Ty Butner against South Florida? I think, I mean, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, we bro, think that Reese was pushing for that since day one. I mean, we do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reese was like, my guy who's a lacrosse player who sucks at football. But you know what? This guy who you have, Nick, who you recruited, ew, I don't know about him. So let me bring in this other bum in to play quarterback. You know what? Maybe I am angry. Maybe I am. Yeah, I I, I'm, I'm going to say you are. I'm, I'm going to. I don't think it's that much of a stretch to say Lester's a little pissed off here. Yeah, but, but 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 Mil, let's say, let's, 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 Milrow's not a bum. He just He's is not a, a quarterback. He is not the quarterback for this system, as it is set in stone right now. No, he'll go to Auburn or he'll go to he'll go to Oregon. He can go anywhere in the country and probably win the Heisman Trophy. But he cannot do that at Alabama under this offense. Well, you know, Milro. I've always said that in order to win a national championship, you have to have elite quarterback play. I truly thought, and actually, I ain't gonna lie, I still think that Milro's talent is enough to win a national championship. Like what he is, even right now, I think he has the talent. The problem is the intangibles. And Lester mentioned it. Gosh, I, I've I've mentioned it all season. I think Milrow improved this year more, more than I've ever seen a player improve. But what I've tried to pound in you guys' heads all year is that he is not a natural quarterback. And he will never be a natural quarterback. Like the way Bryce Young looks and how in command he is, like when he's on the field, this is my team. Jalen Milrow is just looking to the sidelines, like looking for do I check to a certain player or what? You tell me what to do. And and that's okay, but he will he'll never, I'm not gonna say never, but he's always gonna struggle with diagnosing a, a defense pre-snap. Um He's always going to struggle with being able to sit in the pocket and shred a team with his arm. His arm talent is good. I do not think it's elite. Um, he's always going to struggle with being able to set the right protections. He's always going to struggle with being able to call a hot route on his own and get the ball out of his hands if he needs to, if by God he does see something pre-snap. Um, he, he's a perfectly coachable quarterback, which means if you tell him on the phone, from the booth or in practice to do something, then then the next drive, by God, he's going to do it. The problem is, is that he's always going to struggle with being good enough to do it on his own, which is what needed to be done against Michigan, if that makes sense. Like, you don't have Tommy Reese out there telling you, okay, hey, remember if that linebacker comes, you know, just throw that little crossing route right there. He sees the blitz late and he panics because they didn't show it pre-snap. And he he's – there needed to be protection changes and check downs in the first quarter versus Michigan. I was one of those that was texting y'all. I was like, where's the hot route? Why can't we call a hot route? I was putting it all on Reese, and then J-Law goes back and sends me screenshots of sacks and pressure situations where there's guys underneath with nobody around them. And Milrow simply is just looking to throw the ball 45 yards downfield, and, you know, and, and he just – he he didn't – he. He's just got so much to learn in, in that scenario with his with his intangibles, and I'm not sure. I don't want to say he'll never learn how to do it, but he's got a lot of work to do. And it was immediately noticeable that Michigan's goal on defense was to confuse Milrow 
And I don't think neither Milrow nor Reese did anything about it. You know, Reese could have told him, hey, look, check down's there, check down's there. And then it seems like the Georgia game was a similar experience there in the second half. Alabama had like nine yards of offense or something. And then all of a sudden, Milrow throws like three check downs to Isaiah Bond. All of a sudden, boom, we're on the one-yard line. You see what I'm saying? It's like they told him over the phone, hey, look downfield and then hit your check downs. Now I understand he wasn't pressured like he was against Michigan, but the same thing has to has to be said from Tommy Reese. So I'm going to kind of split that 50-50. But play calling, game planning, I think it could have been a lot better. Uh I'm not a fan of running the same stuff because I don't think anybody does. I think Washington showed new things. Texas showed new things. Michigan definitely showed a whole new offense. Um, then you got Alabama, who Saban's so predicated on, you know, we believe in the stuff that we do. But, like, okay, well, you just got beat because of that. I'm um, not saying that if Alabama was more creative, they win the game. But, you know, a couple of big plays here and there sure would have helped. Um, so, anything well, on – we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about – the future of the quarterback spot here in a minute. Cause I do want to touch on that because Ty Simpson and his dad confirmed recently um, earlier, earlier today that, uh, that Ty is coming back. So I do want to discuss that briefly later on, but is there anything about this game and this season that you want to talk about uh, relative to Tommy Reese and Jalen Milrow? Yeah. Um, one more thing about Milrow. If, if, if he's going to be the guy and Tommy is going to work with him, Milro doesn't need to be in the weight room offseason. Like, dude, we know you can squat 600. We know you can throw the ball 50, 60, whatever. He needs to have the best quarterback coach in the nation so he can become a more accurate passer. He needs to be in the film room constantly with Reese or with all the quarterbacks as a whole and rewatch all the games, rewatch different games, and just break down coverages like, if you study and you learn, I truly believe that you can get better at diagnosing things, calming down, looking at things pre-snap, diagnosing the little things. But now the season's over, you have time to do that. You have all up to spring practice. During spring practice, you can work on it. And you have all summer. My thing is, if he's going to stay, I want to see legitimate improvement in those areas of his game. He can be the guy. Like Chase said, he he's talented enough to win the national championship, but is he going to do the things himself personally to get better and put him over the edge? Yeah, and but Chase said that he thinks Milrow has good arm talent. Dude, I'm going to disagree, and I'm not. It's just how many. I I think I think I narrowed it down to one time every game this year. There was one game, it was a And M game. Chase told me that there was like four Milrow throws where you were like, okay. Okay, he's getting better. There was one throw against Michigan. It was, it was Isaiah Bond on the sideline in between two guys where he was rolling out. But if you watch that, and Quinn, Quinn Ewers by no means played a great football game under Steve Sarkeesian coaching the quarterback, calling the plays standards. But we had the worst quarterback of the four teams that played in the college football playoff. Um, and I don't, I don't, I think that's pretty obvious. But if how many times this year were you like? Dude, oh my God, Milro put that on the money where it wasn't like a 60-yard downfield shot where our guy got behind their guy, like over the middle, boom, hit him right in the chest and the catch and run a long way. Dude, very rarely, very rarely, especially in a pressure situation, very rarely did that happen in this. I, I just think that there's so – it's hard to call games when you can't call – a play where receivers are going to run into traffic because you know the quarterback, he's not accurate, and the quarterback knows he's not accurate, so he's not even going to try to throw it to a guy who you got to y'all man, y'all realize y'all remember Tua, Mac, Bryce. I know y'all do. People listening, if they had two, if they got six feet of separation, you, they was on the money. If it was a yard, they're open. With Jalen Milrow, it's got to be about nine feet for them to be open and. It's too much to expect your receivers to dominate a Division One defensive back every single play, or he's not going to throw me the ball. And at the end of the day, I just think the accuracy for Milrow in this offense is an issue because he's not going to be able to consistently get your receivers the football in big-time situations 
in, in a in a tight coverage. And I, I've seen it all year. He didn't do it enough for me. Yeah, I get it. If he can improve his accuracy over the offseason, if he can get better, yeah. I, I mean, Saban's going to play the guy he thinks is the best quarterback. But Ty Simpson coming back for a reason. I think if Ty Simpson thought he had no chance to win the job next year because the team is Jalen Milrose, he wouldn't have come back. Um so I don't know. That's just, that's just me. It's how I left well, the year. Kind of how I started the year. Let's talk about that, J. Law. You know, since you since you mentioned it, I was gonna wait till a little bit later, but this this it's we'll kind of roll into it. Um, that was one of the questions I had for you guys. You know, is it and Milro? Regarding to what you said, I don't. I think it's more the case of him. I don't know if it's a self confidence thing because he thinks he can't do it, or it's just you know why force it into a window when I can run if that makes sense, because he has that luxury. Like, Mac Jones had no choice. You better – well, I mean, he tried to. But, I mean, Mac Jones, for the most part, you know, he he can't run, so I got to force it in there. And so, I'm not saying Milrow can't do it or can't develop it, but, yeah, you didn't see a lot, but that's probably due to the fact that – because he didn't want to, I guess, if that makes sense. Um. And he yeah, and it goes back to your Jalen Hurts theory of Jalen versus two, or where, <laughs> well, if I turn the ball over, I'm going to get bent. So I'm not going to throw it into a tight window. And it, that's what got Alabama in, in trouble with Jalen is he, he refused to throw the ball to semi open receivers because you don't want to be, you don't want to be the guy that turns it over. But at, you got to be able to have confidence in yourself that I can put this ball here. And I, I just didn't see enough. Yeah, and that's 100% true with Jalen Hurts. And it could be the same with Milrow, and if that's the case. Because um, you remember back in fall camp, J-Law, remember when they were not neck and neck, but there was a quarterback competition between Buckner Simpson and Milrow. And I told y'all, Milrow's going to start because he knows that in practice, if he just doesn't turn the ball over, he's going to be fine because he knows he's ahead right now. So the only way he can get behind is – if he turns the ball over now, Simpson and Buckner had to make extraordinary throws and, and still not turn the ball over in order to surpass him because Jalen had the locker room. So it, it might, that might've, that might've been the case this year. Um, but I mean, in the Lester, do you think as far as the quarterback position goes, do you think heading in the off season with Ty Simpson staying, maybe he was, not told straight up, look, the competition's going to be open. Do you think maybe he was kind of given a tip a little bit of, hey, look, you, you, this this is not set in stone next year because Jalen Milrow was not going to go to the NFL. He's not going to go to the NFL after next season. He's never going to play quarterback in the NFL. Um, so he still has two years remaining of eligibility at, at Alabama. And uh, next year he comes back, he's a redshirt junior. Um, I think if Ty Simpson had any idea or if he got any kind of sense that it's it's Milrose to to lose, then I think he probably would have hit the portal. That's my honest opinion. I think everybody expected him to hit the portal. But, Lester, do you think maybe he got a tip from Reese or Saban or somebody? Because these guys today – um, today I'm talking about Wednesday. You know, they sit down with Nick Saban. They discuss, you know, transfer options or, you know, draft and, you know, whether to come back or go, whatever the case is. Um, and so I'm sure Simpson had a meeting with Saban. Do you think maybe Saban gave him a tip or, or kind of kind of tipped him off that it, it might open up? No, not at all. I think Ty Simpson has a, a 2020 eye on this team like everyone else has a closer eye than all of us have had all season, all season long. And he's seen Milrow. He's seen him at practice. He's seen him at games. And I think if you ask any of the offensive players, especially the wide receivers, they will tell you, man, we were probably a quarterback away from winning the national championship. I mean, I don't think anybody had to tell Ty Simpson anything. I just, I just think he had to not pout, keep his eyes open and peep the game. What's going on. It was like, dude, I can beat this guy out. If we had a better quarterback, a guy who was, and it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be a guy that's as talented as Miro, but more talented in the quarterbacking area of the game. The this, intangibles, this, the intangibles, the intangibles, and able to hit the short, intermediate, um, not panicking, right. um, cool, calm, collected. If anybody, t- look, Alabama wins the game. 
they probably got undefeated this year. It was one player, the quarterback, who touches the ball every single play, who has held this team back in certain areas. And I told you guys, I said, there's not going to be a team who has less talented than less talented Alabama that's going to beat Alabama. You know what I mean? Texas has just as much talent. Um, now, you can look at the five stars and all that kind of stuff, but Michigan's a damn good football team. You know what I'm saying? And they beat Alabama. Because Miro is not the guy that's going to put you over the edge. He can get you. He can get you there. And he can lose it for you, but he's not going to be the guy that put puts you over the edge. So I think Ty Simpson. You know, the guy seems like he has a lot of confidence in himself and his game. If this it should be an open competition, and I believe that he can win it. I really do. Well, Jalo, what do you think about that? Do you think that Simpson maybe heard something within the coaching staff of? of the fact that there was going to be competition there or because look, I mean, Jalen Milrow, let's face it. He's going to be a top three Heisman candidate next year preseason. And whether he deserves it or not, that's opinionated, but he's going to be not top three. He's definitely going to be top five. Um, And there's a lot of people saying that he was going to be number one, you know, after the, uh, after the Georgia game, there's a lot of people saying that next year's Heisman ballots preseason have Jalen Milrow at number one. So what would it take for a guy like Ty Simpson to overtake a preseason Heisman, Heisman favorite? Throw it to the wide open guy in spring, and I guarantee you. I, we don't sit in the quarterback meeting. Like, I, you For a guy like Ty Simpson, a coach's kid, right, Quay quarterback his whole life, he is the reason that his high school won its like only state championship in school history. You sit in those quarterback rooms, and Chase, you you coach football for Hopewell for a little bit. I get to hang out with football coaches all the time, and you know, you just sit there, you talk to them, and they're always talking about, man, like yeah. If you text the coach after game, man, we had a guy wide open on that third and seven. It was a big part of the game. We didn't get it. Well, that's that's about every single ball game this year. Fortunately. Alabama fielded an elite and just under elite defense this year, but very, very capable of playing elite at times. And that kind of saved Alabama because, listen, guys, dude, Alabama scores in the 20s way too much. They have opportunities to score in the 40s way too many times, and they they didn't take advantage of it. But we don't sit in the quarterback room with Simpson and Lonergan and, and watch the film where Tommy Reese is probably saying, hey, they were in zone – you thought they were in man, and you threw it to Jason McQuellen four yards short of the sticks on third and six with a minute and a half to go in the ball game. And Jermaine Burton is running a flag route uncovered, but you threw it to the running back because you thought they were in man, and there's nobody covering it. Like those are the things that everybody in the quarterback room has to see. And I, I think that Jalen Milrose execution of the offense with the amount of guys that were running open. Because you can go, I think, uh, you can go on the ESPN app or watch ESPN on your TV or whatever, and you can watch the All-22 version of this ball game with the commentary from Kirk and uh, Chris. So you can watch the, the coach's tape. Just go back and watch it. I think that left a glimpse of hope open for a guy like Ty Simpson to say, man, look, if I come in here in the spring and I'm dropping dimes, I've forced a legitimate competition in fall camp. And if this thing gets to fall camp, I've seen Milrow under pressure. And this is not a bash Milrow thing, but this is like if the easy throws and easy decisions are made, Alabama's playing next week. And so you just got to be able to make those types of plays. So I think I think that left some glimmer of hope for a guy like Ty Simpson. Probably not Julian Sayin, so I don't really want to hear it, dude. He's a true freshman. He's not going to play unless it's a, a big time – it's going to have to be late in the season before we're even thinking about it. But I do think there's a chance that Ty Simpson can can force a quarterback battle. Ba- again, based off of the offense that Nick Saban and Tommy Reese want to run because the plays are there and they're just not being made. Hey, Chase, Chase, Chase brought up something that, that made me angry. And Chase has been on this for a long, long time. He's been on it since last spring. When Chase was talking about Miro has the locker room, Nick Saban, I don't give a damn who has the locker room. If Ty Simpson wins that job last year and everybody's mad because Ty Simpson's a quarterback and their homie Miro ain't the quarterback, you know when they stop being mad? When Ty Simpson is throwing for 400 yards a game, 
Every wide receiver is probably catching touchdown pass. Every wide receiver is getting their yards after catch. Every wide receiver is catching three or four passes a game, making themselves look good. That being mad and losing the locker room, Ty Simpson wins the locker room. And he's distributing the ball to everybody and keeping everybody happy. You know it's not winning the locker room? It's losing. That's why if half the wide receiver, if half the wide receiver room transfers out of Alabama right now, can you blame them? No, you can't blame them. Not one bit. And if 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 Milrow having the locker room was a just factoring this factoring, you know, the decision of him being the quarterback, Nick Saban, why are you listening to a bunch of dumbass 18 or 22 year olds? <laughs> I know how I was when I was 18 and 22. Yeah. I, mean, I was in I was in college with both of y'all. I know how we were when we were eighteen to twenty two. I would not take advice from my from myself at that age right now. Nick Saban, that's a bad look if that was part of the decision, buddy. And I mean, I I'm not how how bad they look versus South Florida. I truly believe that there was some intent with that performance. You know, they, they didn't want Buckner. They didn't want Simpson. They wanted either one. It was going to be Simpson. They don't want the new guy, um, especially the uppity guy from California that went to Notre Dame. So I think, there was a, I think there was a message sent. And so you always got to think about that. I mean, dude, look, these kids don't give a shit about winning anymore. They don't care. They couldn't give a shit about winning the game. Say what you want. Milrose up there going, you know, you win some, you lose some. Don't get, dude, don't say that. Don't say that. You're in Alabama. You win every one. <laughs> you have the talent to win every single one. Bro, that made me so mad. Like, you win some, you lose some. I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> what? But, yeah, I mean, I, and I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, these kids slept just fine Monday night. I got up Tuesday morning and my wife was like, you tossed and turned all night. Did you get any sleep? I said, absolutely not. That's all I could think about. That's all I dreamt about whenever I did get my three hours of sleep. You think Tyler Booker is up there tossing and turning? He doesn't care. He doesn't. I mean, of course they're competitive and they want to win, but it's not going to kill them like it does a fan. Like they don't, they don't just break down over this stuff. So if they if their homie is it gets benched, oh, I ain't gonna block for the backup. I want half-ass it. And that's what I thought you saw against South Florida. So if Saban is going to open a competition, he's got to do it now. He cannot wait until spring practice or fall camp and be like, oh, yeah, we're having a competition. No, because I think that was the problem last year. Everybody knew that Milrow had it, and his first sign of struggle, he got benched, and there was a clear message sent by the team because immediately after that game, and you go back and look, Ty Simpson didn't play bad in that game. With an offensive line that wouldn't freaking block for him and the crappy offense that we were running at the time, he didn't play bad. At, and, all. Uh, at all. And and so immediately, the 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 Monday after, Saban's like, or it might have been after the game, I can't remember. He's like, oh, yeah, Jalen's quarterback in the day. He, he got that message loud and clear because these kids don't care. You have to listen to them because they hold all the power. Because if they don't like it, boom, I'm gone. And then, you know, those three years that you recruited me in high school mean nothing. They don't mean anything to these kids. The relationships that they build, they don't care. <clears throat> but, you know, hey, J-Law, real quick question for you. Alabama played 11 um, Power 5 games this year, okay? 11. Four times out of 11 – they reached 30 points or more. Is that the lowest you think in the, in the Saban era? Well, at least since what, 2011, 20, you know, 2012? Yeah, since the scoring boom, pre, I'm guess. pre pre Kiffin, we'll say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a decade. I, not, you know, not I'm going to get, I'm going to guess that's the highest. I mean, I mean, the lowest. Yeah, lowest. I, yeah. Four, I know that four times out of 11. I know that. It's it's not you cannot you, we don't play in the Big Ten. I I listen, I know Michigan beat us, but we don't get the luxury of playing Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota. We don't have like so you're you're it's not okay to think that your defense is gonna give up nine point five a game. You're gonna give up eighteen to twenty two points a game in this league. That's just how it is with the talent that is always on the other side of the ball. 
So if you're not scoring in the 30, like that's I feel like that's just what made it so hard. AM, a 26, 24, 20, whatever it was. I think we scored 26, got the safety at the end. Tennessee, I think we got over 30. Um, LSU, I know we did, but there was a couple, there's just so many like Arkansas. You have a chance to blow the doors off of these dudes. You don't do it. Texas, you have a chance to go win the game. You throw some stupid interceptions. Against Michigan, you have a chance to drive and you you get stripped of the football with an arm tackle. There's just so many things that this offense is missing, and you cannot – you're not going to have a championship offense scoring less than 30 in the SEC on a consistent basis. Because, listen, next year our defense may not be as good. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, the offense is going to have to get better. The point production is the big key, and I just don't think it was where it needed to be. Imagine um, how how is this team looking without an elite defense this year? That just crossed my mind because you said that. Well, how about I this? Mean, <laughs> how about this? What if we play? Uh, what if we play Washington round one? Do they beat Bama like forty two to fourteen? <laughs> Man, that would have been ugly. I mean, like well, playing somebody with an actual good schemer. Like Michigan's yeah. okay; they changed their whole offense, but still, you know, they didn't. They didn't have enough team speed. If that makes sense, they didn't have enough. They didn't have a quarterback that could just lay the ball in there like Penix could. And if if you if you give Grub uh, uh, thirty days to prep against this team, they might have beat Bama by twenty. Yeah, that's another thing too. I wasn't that upset after the game because if Bama showed up like that again in Houston, it is ugly. Well, that's that's the thing, football. man. I was not worried about Houston. You know, right. we're talking about an if situation here, but you know, if Alabama gets to play Texas or Washington, you give me seven days versus seven days, I'm going with Nick Saban 100 percent of the time. Alabama wins the national championship. If they're playing Washington, they win the Natty. Problem is, Michigan took 30 days to completely erase everything that they've put on film. And they they create a whole new offense, and it paid off for them. So I don't know how they'll fare uh, against Washington, um, but that's what they did, and it worked out for them. Yeah, I think it could have gotten lopsided. No, no, I think that Alabama might have been able to push them around a little more, but we've seen Nick Saban against a, a – a good offensive coach, whether it was Tony Elliott in 2018 against Clemson or a couple of these years where these guys that can really dial it up and it gets away from you really quick. Um, A, a positive uh, real quick, guys. Tell me what y'all thought about Justice Haynes running the ball. One thing with Reese, he didn't he – didn't, um, commit to the run like I thought he should have, especially in the second half. Just because you run for a one- or two-yard gain doesn't mean you have to throw the ball. I think there was a drive where we ran the ball four or five straight times, and then we had the illegal substitution penalty to make it first and 15, and he threw it three straight times after that. So I don't think Reese did a good job of committing to the run. Tell me what you thought about Justice Haynes, though. Yeah, my dad called me after the game. He was like – where the hell has that guy been this year? Like, is he is he new? Like, did he come in like last week or uh has he been hurt? I was like, no, nah, man, as far as I know, <laughs> he's just been there. And like, you know, he kind of echoed what we were saying. Why didn't you just run the hell out of that guy? He was looking good, you know. A one or two yard game isn't a, a sin. I mean, I don't know. The guy was the guy was hell impressive. Um, and when he has gotten a little bit of playing time, he's shown flashes. I don't know why they didn't lean on him more um, over the season if you're going to lean on him, you know, a little bit during the biggest game of the year. But it is what it is. Looking forward to see what that guy does um, in the spring and next year. He's going to be electric for sure. I just want the best players to play. I don't care if they're 16-year-old Ryan Williams. I don't care if it's 25-year-old. Well, we don't have any of those. 24-year-old Justin Aboigby, whatever. I just want the best dudes to play. And this, if Justice Haynes is better than Jam Miller, play him. If he's better than Jace, play him. Uh, I don't think Tommy Reese did enough in the run game. That's my only criticism of Tommy Reese. I thought that I thought that he thought that he was he schemed the game better than he did. I'll say Tommy Reese probably thought he had a better game plan than he actually did. But when he came out of the second half running the ball, I thought he I thought he should have gave it to Jam. You know, Jam and Roy Dale combined for was it four carries? In the ball game, like it wasn't many, and and Justice got four or five. 
Jace got the majority, but I, I just want the best guys to play. And there have been very few running backs coming out of high school recently that are as good as Justice Haynes. And I'm glad he got some touches. I think it keeps him from transferring because Saban knows he's as good as the other guys. So you might as well put him out there in the Rose Bowl to keep him next year. Um, good plan for Saban. Uh, I just wish he was probably playing a lot this year. The the last call of the game. Do y'all agree with it? Allegedly, it was an RPO, a swing route to Roy Dell Williams. You had man to man, and they were gonna you know get a block on the outside, block two blocks on the outside with receivers. You swing it to Roy Dell, you know behind the line of scrimmage, and he's gonna try to run it in with the with the quarterback counter attached to it. Um, the snap is low, so talk about that as well with Seth McLaughlin, of course. Um, so Milro panics and just runs right into the ass of the center. So tell me, Lester, do you agree with the play call in general and just didn't agree with the execution, or is that something that you would have never done? I I I would agree with the play call. And I say that I say I agree with the play call because we don't have the opportunity to see how it is with a good snap. With a good snap, if he follows the guard or whether he throws it, I'm okay with it. If they don't get it, I'm still okay with the call after looking at it and see what they had open. Okay, the swing was open. Okay, okay, the guard had matched his guy down and had a successful pull. Okay, I see what they were doing here. I'm okay with the call. I just hate that the, the shitty snap and Miro just panicked. And I can't blame him for panicking at all. We know the kid doesn't have nerves of steel, man. And, you know, as a quarterback, the last thing you should have to worry about is the snap. And you know he's probably been thinking about it. You know, probably oh, probably came on like a lot of things. So, you know, I'm 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 okay with the call. I just wish we could have saw it with a decent snap. And if that like I said, don't get it. I can live with it. I but opportunity is never. It could have been better, but it is what it is. I thought it was absolute dog water. I, I don't like that play call at all. Number one, you don't throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage on fourth and goal, and you don't run up the middle on fourth and goal. You don't run a counter on fourth and goal from the one, maybe, but from the three, three and a half yard line, you don't throw the ball to the five. Does that make sense? And you your linebackers creeping up. You can see it pre-snap. They're walking up. Where are you, you looking at? You roll, you roll your quarterback to the field, and you get him on the run. You get a decision. If he can maybe stick his head in there and, and break the plane, you do that. Or if not, you flood the field and try to find a hole. Um, also, what does everybody run on the goal line? Man to man. You know they're in man. Do we not have a rub route, a pick route, something? But does Saban not lose a national championship on a pick play? They Why don't can't you run the same shit? You can't and throw it. They, I think they, they, I got, think they, the, they can't throw it because I he think can't the, throw it. They do not trust him to put the ball in there. You try it. You try it. You, you don't I run. agree with that. You try. Yeah. You you try it. You you try to rub something, and you, there's no way that you throw a swing route behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, you look at a picture. Hang on. There's a – there's a picture that that somebody sent me. Uh, everybody's like, "Oh, the swing route was there." Roy Dell was on the ten yard line, so not saying that it wouldn't have scored, but you're asking your receivers to hold blocks while Roy Dell catches a pass from Milrose, who number one is going to float the ball because he can't put any zip on his short passes because they sail on him. So he's going to have to float it. That helps the defenders get off their blocks. And then he's got 10 yards to go to the end zone. That is piss for a play call right there on fourth and goal from the three-yard line. I don't like that at all. You, you you do a tight end, you know, slip or whatever. You throw it back to the tight end. You roll one way, throw it back to the tight end. You see that? I mean, hell, guys, the Philly special. Shit. I, I mean, there's plenty of stuff you can do. You don't throw a swing route with a quarterback counter attached to it. That play call was piss. There's my biggest rant for the night. I'm sorry, J-Law, go ahead. No, listen, I didn't like the call either. I wanted a – I was fully prepared for a – you had three timeouts. I was fully prepared for a, an extra offensive lineman going out for a pass, kind of an uncovered throwback to some a tight end or an extra left tackle. 
Um, I was, I mean, I was prepared for a lot of stuff. I wasn't prepared for that. I, I just think that because of the way Jalen Milrow read the defense in the ball game with his eyes, the way that he threw the, the ball in the game completely ineffectively. Dude, 16 completions for 115 yards? Well, is that is something along those lines? Like, they just did not trust him to complete a ball. And I, the play would have worked um, if, number one, the snap's good and Latham doesn't get blown up into the backfield. Um, QB goes into the end zone. But I, I don't I don't like the call, but I think I respect the call a tad just because of I felt like they I felt like the coaching staff felt we were limited in what we were gonna be able to execute. No. Um which hey, who do you want to blame that on? Blame it on somebody? Hey, I don't th- know. Throw the ball but, it's fourth it's fourth down. I mean you trust I the guy you trust the guy to throw it thirty one yards against Auburn. You know, you had to throw it fifty yards in the air. And I understand that's kind of what he does, you know, the deep ball. Um but no, nah, you throw the ball in the end zone. Fourth and goal, you throw that ball to the end zone. And hey, how about this, guys? How about this? You know what would have scored with those little linebackers keeping up? A simple jump pass. Yeah. The, the Tebow jump pass. Like, like so many options. So many options. I mean, that that tight end, uh, what is Saban called? The oh shit play. Wherever yeah. it was Con- was it Colin Peak that used to run it so well in like oh nine or something like that. When you um, scored on it against Florida, you know, Greg McElroy rolls right in the SEC championship game and then just stops behind the tackle. And then there's Colin Peake wide open in the end zone. I mean, it's very simple. And and like all game, and I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying they think about this during the game, but looking back now, it would have been hilarious if because I mean, what did Michigan have a guy that made some big time catches that had like 11 catches on the whole season? Blake Corm hadn't caught a touchdown pass. He catches one and catches another big one on fourth and two. Um, what if we run like a just a little throwback play to Robbie Oots and he just takes it in? <laughs> Would have been hilarious. But as a as an offensive coordinator, that's basically a two point conversion play. And any good OC has 15 to 20. Um two-point conversion plays that you feel really good about. There's no way that was at the top of his list. But anyway, nothing we can do about it now. I think he I think he called a play that required Miro to do the least amount of thinking as possible. Buddy, either swing it out or freaking run it. And due to the snap, we'll we'll never know. I think there's two things he can do. Of all the well, of all everybody talks about why would you even give him two? I mean you, yeah. you're counting on him to screw that up. And that's kind of like Tommy being like, well, that ain't on me. I caught an option play, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, You know, everybody talks about Milro being a, a one-read quarterback. Damn, that was the perfect time to have one read. Look, you got a double slant here. You got a tight end or a slot guy that's doing a little out route. They're going to rub. You throw it no matter what. And if they come off a guy and they make a great defensive play, so be it. But there, there is one read. You want to be a one-read quarterback? Here you go. You got one read. It's a rub play. Throw it. But, buddy, if the snap is bad, then too, it's all going to shit. But it all it don't even matter. Yeah, but I mean that's a little bit more. It's a longer developing play, so it would have taken. And you had the whole field to work with, man. You could have put air up under. You could, I mean the the Blake Sims play to DeAndre White in overtime, where they kind of ran the little slot fade. That I think that was a good play. I mean, oh, so many right, options, man. But yeah. anyway, but um, why? But why? I know the snap was low. But why did he just take it and run right into Seth? Because he pan- because he panicked. That's what I was talking about. He knew there was going to be pressure, and he just panicked. And that's why I disagree with putting the ball in his hands and 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 telling him to make a decision. Because I tell you what, even if it's a good snap, I don't know if he throws the ball. To be honest with you, of course he he was going to run it. He was going to run that some bitch no matter what. Now he might have hit the right hole and he might have scored. Who knows? But I don't, I don't, think I don't he was even ever going to throw. His, I don't his, think it was an RPO. I think they were trying to clear the box. I mean, and it I worked. don't know, man. Roy Dell looks back. He he. I think he expects the ball. I mean, you have to on an RPO, but the way he reacted after the snap, he was never going to run. He was never going to throw it. Never. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he was throwing that joker no matter what. And it would have been if he would have kept it on a good snap. Um, uh, what was it? Number zero from Michigan. He overran it, but he didn't overrun it by far. He could have closed that gap down real yeah, quick, easily. But He's, I guess we'll never know. Um, but anyway, kind of wrapping up here, transfer portal is open for Alabama. We expected kind of a – not a mass exodus, I guess, but, you know, 
a couple of guys hit the portal. I think Bama's up to what twelve or thirteen now. Um, allegedly the only one that's surprising is Earl Little, but still a guy who wasn't going to start next year. Maybe at the star position. Um, kind of had a injury ridden, uh, injury riddled a couple of years at Alabama. So you're kind of hoping he would stay and stick it out and maybe start at the star position next year with Malachi Moore moving on. Um, so kind of hate to see that everybody else, you know, kind of expected, uh, no surprises really so far. Seth McLaughlin, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Um, never seen anything like that. Everybody's trying, some people are trying to defend him on Twitter. You're a two and a half year starter, roughly, at the University of Alabama, and you can't snap the football consistently. And this wasn't a problem against Michigan. Like y'all said, the first touchdown of the year was off a botch snap. And, uh, you know, shame on the coaching staff for not fixing it or not giving somebody else a chance. But at the same time, shame on Seth McLaughlin. I mean, that's just that's inexcusable to have that consistently happen throughout a season. So, uh, but yeah, guys, um, probably two, you know, few more going to hit the portal here over the next. I think they have five days. Is that right, J Law? I think they got the second through the seventh. Yeah, to, so, to hit it. So. Yeah, so three, four more days. So. Probably probably lose a couple of more, but you know, might add one or two. Who knows? Um, there's some still out there in the portal. Um, that might find a home at, at the university. Um, but guys, anything y'all want to add on that? Nope. Just another um season ending what if. Like I told you, like I like I told you on the pod. I mean, man, before we start recording, um, I don't want a book on the national championships that we've won. I want a book of what ifs on the ones that they should have won in the past. I believe that this is one of those years where you know, everything was there, and they had all the tools except for two or three um, to win it. So just what if, man? Yeah. Um, in the coming weeks, well, uh, Alabama starts basketball season. So, you know, Gump Runners, we, we love watching Bama basketball as well. So uh have been a great non-con, um, but Alabama's played one of the tougher schedules in the country. So we'll see how they fare in SEC play. They start – this Saturday on the road at Vanderbilt, never an easy place to play, but uh, um, Vanderbilt is definitely not the Vanderbilt to bowl. So hopefully Alabama can start 1-0 in SEC play. Um, J-Lo, you got anything to add before we hop off? Yeah, I was just going to say I expect a couple more guys to hit the portal. Um, I think Arnold's coming back. That's what I've heard. Uh, I saw somebody that I trust say that Alabama's got some NIL money lined up for Terry on because he's looking like late first round. Needed. Um, and, if, and if he improves his draft stock into the top 15 next year, that's like an extra like eight to nine million bucks or so oh, where yeah. you get picked. So you probably make it work for Terry on. I, I, I still think you could see some skill guys who listen, man, if you're a receiver and you ain't, you ain't getting the ball, you got to think about getting out. And I, I would not be surprised if 84 hit the portal. I think he probably will end up staying, but I think he might test the waters. I think Prentice has a great chance to hit the portal. Oh um, no, I think Prentice stays. I think that's that's a guy that Alabama was kind of on. He was a camp guy, you know. He was a three star, and then Alabama offered him, and he shot up the and Nye Black too. But I think Nye Black. I don't know if he's all there upstairs. I'll be honest with you. I mean, the guys on social media talking about how many viewers he has after he gets beat by Texas. Um, so I don't know if he's all well, there. He was, one of the, he was one of the guys running wide open a good bit on, sure. on Monday. Yeah. So but I'm just so saying, like, he... some of these skill guys, I would not be surprised if you had a couple more maybe hit the portal. We also, I mean, Holman Wiggins is leaving. That might help some of these guys stay. I've right. heard right. other people have heard that, like, he's a great recruiter, but when it comes to him on campus with you, it isn't always the best. So, you know, we'll see. But portal season's crazy. I expect Alabama to get one or two more interior offensive linemen from the portal, especially with Ferguson leaving. I know that that was expected, but they got to go get a center. We've heard about a couple of guys. And there's a tackle from Temple in the portal that the staff really likes. So just, just keep an eye out on the portal. I think Nick Saban, he's the best evaluator of talent still, so he can go get a couple more guys out of the portal to make sure that you have a championship caliber team next year, then he's going to do it. He missed on Jalen Key and Buckner. So and Seth McLaughlin. Yeah, him too. <laughs> well, I mean, Seth McLaughlin was like the number eight hundred and ninety-fifth overall prospect. Good. Ty, listen, Todd Buckner was a it's all Tommy Reese. And I think that 
I just think that uh, that nobody was sold on Jalen Milrow, and you had no idea what Ty Simpson was going to do, so you just bring in Buckner. You needed a a smart guy in the quarterback room, anyways, with some experience. So that that is what it is. But I'm expecting. Also, let's just stop taking JUCO guys. Malik Benson bust. Get out of here. The portal is heavy now. Why are why are you taking a JUCO guy when you can go get a five star from A and M? Yeah, Justin Jefferson too. Wasn't he a JUCO guy? He didn't even see. Yeah, the why? Field. Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. No more JUCO guys, please. But all right, guys, appreciate y'all stopping in, listening. Um, talk to y'all back in a week or two. Until then, this is episode 105, Gump Hunters Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. We're out.